The following is a Bell to Bell B2B audio production. Bell to Bell is one of 50 plus trusted brands within the investor brand network, IBN. As a multifaceted financial news and publishing company, IBN uses its network of more than 5,000 key distribution outlets, as well as other corporate communication tools to introduce public and private companies to a wide audience of investors, consumers, journalists, and the general public. Our reputation for highly efficient communication strategies is based on the experience and relationships our team has in the space. It is Investor Brand Network's unwavering commitment to connect the investment community with companies that have great potential and a strong dedication to building shareholder value. The following interview may feature a client partner of Investor Brand Network. IBN may have been compensated for the production of this interview. Please be sure to read our entire disclaimer for full disclosure. Thank you. And here today is your host, Stuart Smith. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks so much for making us part of your day as well as part of your due diligence as you look for smart and fresh plays out there in the market today. Now, we are speaking with Bion Vax Pharmaceuticals Limited. That's Bion with a D, B-I-O-N-D-V-A-X Pharmaceuticals Limited. And they're traded on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol BVXV. Their web- website is just as the company name, BionVax.com. But of course, you can visit us right here at Investor Brand Network. Click on the Clients tab and they're in alphabetical order. You will find Beyond Vax. Now, we spoke with the company in the fall of 2022, a little over six months ago. And at the end of 2022, the company issued a letter from its CEO to its shareholders. And we're lucky enough to be joined once again by that same CEO, Amir Reichman. Amir, how are you today, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me on your show, Stuart. Uh, thank you so much for making time for us once again, Amir. So listeners and, and followers, we did do that interview. You can find that interview. It's going to give you the basic building blocks of who the company is, the leadership team, their history. I highly encourage you to go back and find that interview as well. It's available on YouTube and, of course, at the Investor Brand Network. But Amir, let's start with that CEO letter I just referenced. It came out December 30th, 2022. And I want to start there because it does an excellent job of recapping the 2022 achievements and how it left you so optimistic about the foundation and the future for the company in terms of growth potential and ability to deliver value to its stakeholders. Let's start there. Let's hear your own recap of 2022. So 2022 was a very exciting year for us. Uh, As you might uh, recall, we started the year with signing a new license with the Max Planck Institute and the University Medical Center Göttingen with a new technology in licensed into uh, BioNVAX for the development and commercialization of a COVID-19 therapeutic and uh, prophylactic, which can be inhaled, uh, self-inhaled. And we had a lot of promise uh, for that. We complemented this uh, with a research collaboration agreement, uh, which was a five-year envelope agreement with the Max Planck Institute and University Medical Center Gottingen again. Uh, In this uh, research collaboration agreement, we've agreed to receive an exclusive option for exclusive license at pre-agreed financial terms, worldwide, of course, for development and commercialization of up to eight additional antibodies from the same platform of VHH antibodies generated uh, from alpacas. These are micro nano antibodies, very small, 
about one-tenth of the size of a monoclonal antibody. Throughout uh, the remainder of 2022, we focused on two things. One was the further development of the COVID nanobody. We took it from uh, the Max plant. We did a tech transfer. We moved it here to Jerusalem. And in our labs, we developed the process. Um, it's very important to, to take care of the early package of the CMC package the, and then ensure that everything is designed with, uh, you know, uh, quality by design principles, uh, designing all the in-process controls, etc. We did a scale-up and production of material at uh, preparation for GMP level so that we could conduct a proof of concept in animals. Doing a proof of concept in animals towards the end of the year was uh, quite a challenge because uh, this is with, done with an infectious disease and not a simple infectious disease. It is an infectious disease that has been just creating a pandemic. And so we were required to use a, a very high level of biologic safety. We used the, the, a very uh, uh, high level facility in Hanover, Germany, uh, from the Fraunhofer Institute. It's a world-renowned institute with over 30,000 associates working in it. And within the, their facility, we've conducted at the end of the year uh, a proof of concept. The proof of concept uh, used the same animal model used by Pfizer, when they developed their antiviral for the treatment of COVID, uh, namely Paxlovid. And uh, this animal model used hamsters. The animal model of hamsters is the preferred animal model, not necessarily monkeys and, or other animals, because uh, uh, hamsters respond in a very uh, easy to follow uh, and characterize uh, disease course. When they become ill of COVID, they just lose weight. Hopefully for us, but... Uh, um, they lose about 15% of their weight. It's an amazing diet, uh, had it been the case with humans. And so it's very easy to calibrate. So we did that. We showed that the model works exactly like Pfizer did. And then the next groups, we infected them with the COVID, but then treated them 24 hours post the infection with uh, descending doses of our inhaled antibody, what we call a nanoab. And very positively for us, we showed that the hamsters, 24 hours post being treatment, being exposed to the treatment, um, stopped lose, lost, uh, losing the weight, started regaining weight, and all other health parameters came back to normality. So their disease course was much uh, shorter, and the disease severity was far milder than the control group that uh, were sick from COVID. Then we did another arm of the trial where we tried to prove the concept of prophylactic treatment, meaning prevention of infection and disease de development after infection. And so what we did there is we took a group of hamsters and we, we allowed them to inhale uh, a puff of our nanobodies. And then three hours later, we infected them with the COVID. These hamsters did not develop any disease sign. They did not lose weight. Um, and they were kept healthy. So basically generating, uh, quote, to quote, the, the, you know, the Israeli iron shield in their lungs. This was a very nice proof of concept because uh, it's, a, it's a drug that uh, targets the, the pathogen. It doesn't uh, interact with human, uh, the body's uh, biochemical processes like Paxlovid, for example. Um, and that's a big advantage because you, your risk of developing drug-to-drug -drug interactions or counterindications uh, for example, in Paxlovid, you have a lot of counterindications uh, relative to the fact that it uh, has a lot of interaction with the liver. 
So there, you know, the re our risk is uh, much lower. Secondly, we, we expose the drug only to the affected organ, namely to the lungs. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's generating potency very uh, fast and limiting the exposure to the affected lungs and uh, basically limiting the potential adverse effects to the other body organs. Uh, this uh, pro program is now ready for partnering. We are working uh, heavily on uh, two routes there. One is partnering with governmental agencies, for example, BARDA, that uh, just recently in April opened the project NextGen, uh, which we, it financed with $5 billion, fresh money for COVID-19, next vaccines and therapeutics. Um, so that's something that is very exciting. We have applied and we are awaiting BARDA's response. We have met with several other governmental and uh, international agencies such as CEPI, CEPI, and uh, other agencies, and we have applied for these uh, grants. Uh, these can be significant grants. You know, um, the first project from BARDA, which was known to be a project warp speed, uh, was the one that for uh, for which we uh, Moderna, for example, finance was financed heavily, and also others. And so it can be very meaningful for us. The second uh, route of financing is uh, uh, pursued through par potential partnering. So we have uh, now started screening all the companies that are in the business of infectious diseases that might be interested, uh, or pulmonary diseases, that might be interested in having rights to this drug in return for uh, collaboration and uh, R&D uh, financing. And so we have uh, now started an outreach campaign. We are now in discussions with few companies, but it's just starting. So not something that is uh, yet to be reported or meaningful. We are in discussions with few uh, potential, uh, you know, uh, partners uh, in very, very early stages. So these are the things that we are taking for the COVID. In addition to that, uh, so that was how we closed 2022. And at the end, we started, uh, we did a, a round of financing. So we raised the capital, $8 million, through a follow-up, follow-on financing in NASDAQ. And we also started a negotiation to in-license the next antibody from Max Planck, namely the antibody for targeting interleukin-17 for the treatment of psoriasis. So that's how we finished 2022. Well, and you started 2023 by getting the word out on your company. I noticed here that you showcased the company at the Biotech Showcase in January 2023, and then also at the Bio CEO and Investor Conference in 2023 as well. So getting the company's story out to potential investors, I can see is paramount for you. But as you look back on the first six months or so of 2023, what do you see as some of the major milestones your company has been able to achieve? So first, as we promised, we have uh, uh, in-licensed the anti-interleukin-17. This is a highly promising drug. If I look at the market, uh, psoriatic patients today, they have several uh, options for treatment. I, let's focus, for example, on uh, plaque psoriasis. Plaque psoriasis, they have uh, uh, things like, uh, you know, uh, creams and uh, other topical drugs. Uh, they have the biologics and they have oral drugs. In the topical drugs, uh, these are mainly uh, cyclosporine and other um, steroid drugs, etc. These are not highly sophisticated drugs, uh, to say the least, and they come with a not a small, considerable, uh, you know, a quite considerable uh, pro uh, profile of side effects. Because, we, you know, when a person needs to take steroids from once 
in once in a while for an infection, then you know you can tolerate it. But when you need to take steroids for autoimmune disease, which means a chronic inflammation, then you have two things. One, you create tolerance, and the second thing, you uh, start uh, to potentially have side effects from it because it does intervene with your immune system and can expose you to potential infections, um, other problems with the immune system. So doctors are reluctant from, uh, you know, to give too much, uh, uh, you know, per os drugs like that, or, you know, by the mouth. They will mainly give us uh, steroid creams, etc. The, the next level is coming to the biologics. While the biologics are highly potent, they are quite restricted to use only by the severe and in some cases, the moderate cases of psoriatic patients. But moderate to severe, or let's say the severe, they account only for 15% of the total patients suffering from psoriasis. And therefore, the 85% of the left, uh, you know, that are left, are left with drugs that are mainly, you know, 1970s, 1960s. And so there wasn't in the recent years too much of a breakthrough to serve these patients. There are additional oral drugs that are now created by BMS and by others uh, that target the JAK inhibitors, etc. But they are also indicated to the severe cases. So why all these drugs, these novel drugs are indicated or new drugs are indicated to the severe? It's because of the uh, risk to benefit equation. You know, for, we've, we've gotten used to uh, the monoclonal antibodies, usually when they were targeted for the cancer patients. There, it's quite clear, you know, what's the backfall? You know, you, 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 you might die from cancer. So, you know, it's very easy to approve a drug that has a, a profile of side effects uh, because the benefits are, overwe- you know, are much uh, overweighing. But uh, when you're talking about autoimmune disease, you're talking about chronic disease. So therefore, the, the patient should use this drug for life. So imagine now a patient that is uh, prescribed with the monoclonal antibody at her 30s. She has like 50 more years of injecting this drug once a month or once once in two months in the best case. And first of all, it's a highly expensive drug for the insurers. And B, it creates, it brings with it a a safety profile that that restricts the use only to severe cases. So not only physicians are concerned, but also the the, the uptake from the patients is uh, limited to those uh, severe cases. Nevertheless, this drug sells uh, is billions of dollars. Cosentix of Novartis, which is an anti-interleukin-17 monoclonal antibody, sells for uh, about $4 billion a year. Um, and so the total sales of anti-interleukin-17 monoclonal antibodies are is, is, is about $7.5 billion alone, only for the interleukin-17. If you take all the other biologics, they are nine to ten billion dollars a year, um, and so and that's only for the severe. Now, what we wanted to do is to say, hey, can we generate an access for a highly potent but highly specific drug that can be safe to use for those mod- mild to moderate? And this is where our nanobodies, or what we call nanoabs, are the best fit because what we did, we created an antibody that is so small that we can inject it at an affordable cost directly to the lesion. It will take care of the interleukin-17, both the A isoform and F isoform. Remember that, it's a very important uh, differentiation. 
uh, because in plaque psoriasis, the F isoform is the most uh, uh, abundant one, while, for example, in cosentics, it only gives the A, so you need to inject quite a lot uh, to get the effectivity, and it's also systemic. Here, we give it locally. So imagine us as being the Botox solution for the psoriatic patients. So a mild to moderate psoriatic patients might find herself coming to the dermatologist, and then the dermatologist will inject him or her then in, in the, in, directly in the lesion. It can be one treatment or two treatments, and then the lesion will be relieved, the, the, lesion, the, the, the inflammation will be alleviated, and then the next treatment will come only on the next flare-up. In, in this category, the flare-ups can be spaced with six, eight months, one year, um, and so it's not like the severe ones that they have quite re uh, frequent flare-ups. And so with that, you allow them to receive a very potent biologic, but it's very safe to use because the moment this biologic goes into the blood, two hours later, it's cleaved and it's disappeared. It goes to the kidneys and it's go out. It, go, it will go out through the, the urine. Um, so we believe we have a very big differentiator here. One competitor company that you can look at is Moonlake Immunotherapeutics. Moonlake Immunotherapeutics is also developing nanobodies for the treatment for targeting IL-17, interleukin-17 for treatment of psoriasis. But the different, the different thing is that they played by the playbook of monoclonal antibodies. So they created a molecule that has an extended half-life and so that they can inject it systemically and you can inject it once a month, like Ocentix, like all the competitors, but using nanobodies. Why is it important for us? One, because they showed head-to-head -head with Cosentix that they generated a much better efficacy profile. So I think it was like, if I'm not mistaken, uh, it's about 57% uh, that experienced PASI 90, so 90% elimination of lesions. Um, versus 36 with Cosentix. So efficacy of nanobodies was shown to be much better. However, they still require to inject it systemically, chronically, every month or every two months. So in essence, it might be more potent, but you still need a chronic use. So their indication will be, again, those severe or at best moderate to severe, but most use cases will come from the severe. In addition, they also experience the same profile of side effects with a little bit of an increase of side effects versus the standard of care. So in essence, they have a more efficacious drug, which is good for us because they show the high efficacy and potency of the drug, but they also suffer from this uh, side effects even a little bit higher. And so then it basically means that they will get, if they get the indication, they will get the indication moderate to severe. And so what we say, hey, we have one monomer, they, they use two, we have one monomer, it's much easier to produce, it's much smaller, uh, we can make it in a, a, in a much better economics, and it's so potent that we can inject it with very uh, small doses, it's effective at picomolar levels, to the minus 12. And we can inject it directly to the skin with a very small needle, 1.2 millimeter needle, it's painless needle, you create, it's like these allergy injections, you know. You create small injections, spread it apart because our nanobody can cross throughout the, the tissue of the skin. So you don't need to inject it very close. You, you, you know, it will spread throughout the screen. Um, and that's it. And then, and then you have one treatment or two and then the lesion disappears and then wait until the next flare up. You don't need really a chronic treatment when you are mild to moderate 
and, and, and you spare the cost, you spare the side effects, you spare the need to inject yourself every month, et cetera, et cetera. It's, uh, that's, a, that's a big uh, differentiating factor for us. So this is what we've done for the first half of a year. And then for now, for, for the next six months, we will be focusing on doing the proof of concept, same like we did with COVID. Now we will do it for the psoriasis. We have very cool models. We are doing, we have models either on uh, artificial cell lines. We have models where we use uh, human foreskins. As weird it may see here, you can actually differentiate them to create psoriasis and then we treat them. And then we also have a very cool model that we are working with the Israeli Technion. It's a renowned university research center here, uh, an university where they will implant um, a human psoriatic skin on the back of a mouse. It's called a xenograft mouse. And then we will treat this mouse with our uh, nanobodies injected directly to the dermis. Once this proof of concept is completed, we will start to uh, apply it for, uh, we will start the toxicology studies early uh, 2024. And second half of 2024, we aim already to go to the clinic with a phase one to a hopefully uh, in the clinical trials. Well, once again, listeners, we're speaking to Amir Reichman. He's the CEO of Beyond Vax Pharmaceuticals Limited, again, traded on the NASDAQ under the ticker symbol BVXV. And Amir, another incredibly informative interview with you. I appreciate your time here at the Investor Brand Network so much. We look forward to the great things that you've outlined for your company here in the remaining of 2023 and well beyond. Thanks so much for your time today, Amir. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Stuart. Just before we close, I wanted to remind uh, the investors and listeners that uh, we do have additional pipeline opportunities. So we do expect uh, uh, later in the year and into 2024 to hopefully in-license our next asset, which is an anti, uh, which is a nanobody for the treatment of asthma, potentially a couple of nanobodies that will be inhalable. That's also a big breakthrough in antibody treatment, but that's for the next interview. Excellent. Well, thank you for foreshadowing that for us and giving us something to look forward here to. So I uh, want to bid you a wonderful week, rest of your week, and thanks so much for making time for us again. Thanks, Super. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, everybody, for listening. All right. For Amir Reichman, this is Stuart Smith saying thanks so much for listening. This audio production is an original broadcast provided by Bell to Bell, B2B, and all rights are reserved. B2B is your primary destination for informative updates and exclusive interviews with executives operating in fast-moving industries. We make market hours more informative with deep dives into the stocks on our watch list and in-depth examination of the trends guiding North American markets forward. Bell to Bell is another trusted brand under the Investor Brand Network, IBN. IBN may receive payments for corporate communication relations, as well as various press releases and social media solutions provided to its client partners. You should assume that officers and directors of IBN or financial analysts mentioned hold a position in and may intend to trade the securities for their own accounts. This interview is not an offer or recommendation to buy or sell securities. Information in this broadcast is presented solely for informative purposes and is not intended to be or should it be construed as investment advice. As in all investments, investment in the featured company carries an investment risk. Listeners should review the company thoroughly with a registered investment advisor or registered stockbroker. This audio interview by IBN is not purported to be a complete study of the featured company or other companies mentioned. 
Information used in statements of fact have been obtained from featured company and other sources, but not verified nor guaranteed by IBN as to completeness and accuracy. Such information is subject to change without notice. Please see our full disclaimers and disclosures at InvestorBrandNetwork.com.